Well, often what happens during the holiday season is we have a moment to reflect on life, a moment to reflect and ask questions about what's the meaning of life, what, what has life been like this year. In fact, in the Musset household, one of the things that we periodically do at the end of the year is we ask our kids, what were your favorite moments from the year? And what moments do you wish you could have a do-over? We ask these questions because we want them to evaluate the life that, they, that they've had and and give them some insight about how to move forward. Because everybody has perspectives about what life is all about. In fact, the great theologian and philosopher of our day, Forrest Gump, said, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Albert Einstein said this, life is like a bicycle. To keep your balance, you just have to keep moving. Someone once said, life is like a video game. When things get harder and the obstacles get tougher, it just means you've leveled up. In fact, it's also been said that life is like a book. You can't embrace the next chapter until you close the one you're in right now. So, sometimes life is like a book. But you know, in life, not every book is great. In fact, not every book title is very helpful. In fact, according to the Guinness Book of World Records... The longest book title ever written is 3,777 words. It contains 26,000 characters. It's a couple pages long. How many of you want to read a book title that long? No, nobody does. In fact, not every book that's written is helpful. In fact, some books say a whole lot, and often they say nothing at all. In fact, I came across this book recently that says... Everything men know about women. (laughs) Guys, this is a real page turner. Now, when you open it up, what you'll discover is that all the pages are blank. (laughs) Because let's be honest, what do guys know about women? Nothing. Husbands, have you ever wished that your wife had an owner's manual? You just, you could know exactly what she's thinking and then if, if you feel like you have an owner's manual that it wasn't revised every day, every hour, right, that you would know exactly what she's thinking, sometimes in life, our life is like a book. But when it gets a little deeper in our heart, what we often feel like is we feel like maybe perhaps, maybe perhaps you've felt like a book that is blank. You have a lot of pages, but not a lot of a story to tell. Maybe you feel like a book that's out of print You feel like you no longer have a purpose. You're no longer relevant. Maybe you feel like a book that is a misprint. Maybe you feel like God has written the wrong story or you're the wrong character. Or maybe you feel like a garage sale book, a book that's no longer needed or wanted. Here's what I do know. I know that many of us wish we could rewrite at least one or if not more chapters of our life. So here's the question. What chapter of your life would you rewrite? What do you wish it would say? I think often we spend a lot of our time focused on the chapters of our past instead of realizing that God wants to write new chapters in our life in the future. Here's what I do know. Your last chapter may have been bumpy, but your next chapter is better. Your next chapter is better. Because of Jesus, your next chapter is better. 
Here it is. If your story isn't great yet, God's not done writing. There are chapters that are yet unwritten, stories that are yet untold. The best is yet to come. God is not done writing. God still has a story he wants to write in your life. But I think many of us, we have a hard time believing that our next chapter is better because we're haunted by the chapters of our past. Several years ago, before Photoshop, I went over to a family's house, and they had on their wall a bunch of family photos. And I began to look because I wanted to see what their family was all about. And suddenly I came across a photo that gave me pause. There's a family photo, and there was something that I normally don't see on a family photo. Somebody's face had been covered with a sticker. Now, when I saw that, I wondered in my own mind, what happened? What did they do? How did they get cropped out of the story? Why were they canceled by their family? It got me thinking, how many of us feel like that? Maybe we feel like that as we're stepping into a family moment where we feel like we're cropped out, maybe perhaps canceled. Well, today I have some good news for you. They may be able to crop you out of the circle of trust, if you will, but they can't cancel you because God is the author of your story and he always has the final say. Don't give your pen to any person because God is not done writing the story of your life. Let him write the next chapter of your life and let him move you forward. And if by chance, if you're stepping into a family moment and you're thinking to yourself, man, there's a couple in my family that are missing a couple of pages, just know you're not alone. Because when you look at Matthew chapter 1, you discover that in the story of Jesus' history, there's a lot of people who were questionable characters. In fact, I'm going to invite you to open up to Matthew chapter 1, open up your Bible, open up your Westover app. We're going to look at the Word of God together. Because in the book of Matthew, we come across some characters that had some challenges. In fact, in verse 2, we meet Jacob, who was a liar and a cheat. In verse 5, we meet, we meet Ruth and Rahab. Rahab was a lady who had a sinful past, and Ruth was actually an outsider. She wasn't a Jew. She was a Gentile. But somehow God wrote her into the story of his history. Then in verse 6, we meet the great King David. You know, David, he stole a man's wife and had him killed. Here it is. In the story of Jesus' history, there was the good, the bad, and the ugly. There were some who were naughty and some who were nice. And I think many of us, as we step into the Christmas holidays, what we often focus in on is we focus in on too much about whether we're in the naughty or nice list of Santa. And we fail to realize that God wants to write a new and a next list for us. God wants to do something new. And today I want to share with you quickly two reasons why you can trust God to write the next chapter of your life. Number one, God doesn't crop us out. He actually writes us in. God doesn't crop us out. He actually writes us in. It doesn't matter if people have written you off. God doesn't write you out. In fact, I don't think it's an accident that in the story of Jesus' lineage and his genealogy that there are people who were good, bad, and ugly because it gives us hope today that God can take the brokenness of our past and he can write something new. 
In fact, that's what the hope of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, this is what it tells us. I want to invite you to, let's read together. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, I know some of the chapters of your past are negative. You wish you could rewrite them. But could it be possible that all of that doesn't cancel what God can do in your future? Our history doesn't define God's destiny for us. In fact, God doesn't crop us out. He writes us in. So, if your last chapter wasn't great, don't lose heart. God's not done writing. In fact, speaking of last chapter... My wife, Pastor Danae, and I, we love watching, watching mystery movies. It's something that we enjoy. Now, she and I, we differ in how we enjoy movies. I like to see the story unfold. I like the twists and the turns and the characters. I like to be surprised. Now, my wife, on the other hand, she hates surprises. She hates surprises. And she does one of two things when we watch movies. One of the things that she does is as the story unfolds, she says, she tries to guess how the story ends. She'll say, I believe that's the person who stole the money or that's the person who's actually the villain even though they're acting nice. And she's talking to me about all of this. The problem is, there's a rule in our household that applies to all of us in the household. In fact, I think it's written in the marriage vows in very, very, very small print. And it's this, no one speaks during movies. Now, that applies to everyone in our family except her. So she's talking to me, right? The other thing that my wife does sometimes is if the story is really making her stressed out, she'll search for the plot of the movie either before the movie happens or right there during the middle of the movie. She'll go and she'll search online, and then she'll say, John, here's how it's going to end. And I'm like, no, 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 hey, hold on, hold on. That's what you needed for you. I don't need that. I want to let the story unfold. It got me thinking, how many of us are like that with God? We want to know our last chapter. We want to know the whole story ahead of time. I want to reassure you today, you don't have to worry about your next chapter or your last chapter if you know and trust the author. You don't have to worry about that. In fact, Hebrews 12, 2 tells us that Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. We can rest today knowing that the one who holds the pen of the story of our life will keep writing, he'll keep writing, and he will fulfill everything that he's already spoken. He will do what he says he will do, just as Matthew 1:22 says. He can take the story of our life and make it better. God can take the tests of our story in our life and turn them into testimonies. He can take the messes of our life and turn them into miracles. He can take the setbacks of our life and turn them into, uh, he can turn them into comebacks. He can take whatever has happened in our life and move us forward. Nothing can limit the story that God is writing in our life. And while you're waiting for God to write the next chapter of your life, can I encourage you, don't fall into comparison. Don't start comparing your life to someone else, your story to someone else's. In fact, don't compare your last chapter to their best chapter. 
Don't compare, their, uh, don't compare your last chapter to their best chapter. Many of us, we struggle because we see the success of their life and we say, man, I wish I had their life and their story. But what we don't realize is that we never ask and say, man, I wish I had their struggles. I want you to remember this. If you ever see success, when you see their success, you're just seeing their best story, not their backstory. Oftentimes, we don't realize that people have a backstory full of pain and hurt. The past chapters of their life are filled with pain and hurt. In fact, the titles of their life are unbearable sacrifice, heartbreaking loss, the valley of tears, spiritual doubts, family betrayal. Those are the titles of the chapters of their past. Maybe some of those titles are titles that are in your past. If it is, let God turn the page and write a next chapter for you. Because with God, your next chapter can be better. God's not done writing. God will finish what he starts in your life. In fact, Paul, a first century follower of Jesus, said this in Philippians 1.6, I am sure of this, that he who began a work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God's not done writing. Just because you think it's the end, it could it be possible that God is just getting started. It's just the beginning of what God wants to write in your life. Don't get hung up on your last chapter. Look forward to the next chapter that God has for you. Here's a second reason why you can trust God to write your next chapter. Number two, God doesn't consult your past to determine your future. As I said before, your history doesn't limit God's destiny. If God be for you, who can be against you? If Jesus is Emmanuel to you, God with us, nothing can stop what God is writing in your future. If only you could see the next chapter and the last chapter of your life, you'd realize that it's more marvelous than you think. So don't consult your past. It confines God's future for you. But I think many of us were skeptical about the story that God is writing because of our experience. Let me explain. Have you ever tried out for a play and you got a part you didn't like? Maybe you tried out for the lead role and you got a non-speaking part. You're up on stage for 2.5 seconds. I think many of us, we feel like God has written us into the wrong story. We're the wrong character in the play that is life. We believe that God has cheated us. But what if we're seeing it all wrong? What if, what if the small part that is our life plays a bigger role in the grand story that is the story of God? To illustrate this, take a look. Guess what I am for the nativity? I'm a classic one. Classic role, is it? Classic part? Yeah. Um, Joseph? No. Oh. Uh, one of the three wise men? No. One of the innkeepers? No. Oh. You tell me then, because... I'm door holder number three, I'll be holding doors. That's amazing! Holding doors for who? Um, probably um, Joseph and Mary. Oh my gosh, were you pleased when they said that? Yeah. What and did, What did you do? And I was like... I'm a door holder. Get in there. Let's go. Yes. I'll probably be dressed up as a door. I don't think you're going to be a door. I think you're going to be a door holder. No, 
I'll have to wear like brown. Really? Yeah, lovely. Excellent. Thanks. Well, that's really smart, Milo. Here it is. Being a side character in God's story is better than being a main character in our own. Some of us, we need to decide in our own heart that we're going to be a door holder, number three, for Jesus. In fact, the writer of Psalms 84 says this in verse 10. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. He said, I'd rather stand outside the door in the house of God than enjoy the success of the wicked. For many of us, we just need to decide ahead of time that we're going to be a door holder for Jesus. We're going to share a smile. We're going to see that our role, however small it is, is meaningful in the story that God is writing for us and for others. Here it is. If Jesus is the main character in your story, you'll never be a side character in his. Jesus wants to write the next chapter of your life. And with Jesus, and he's holding the pen of your life, your next chapter can be better. In fact, because of Jesus, your next chapter can be the best chapter. Here's what I've discovered as a pastor and as a believer. Is that when Jesus holds the pen of your life, he writes great chapters. Chapters that are better than any of the chapters we can write for ourselves. But not only does he write the great next chapter and our last chapter. The best thing that he does is he writes our name in the Lamb's Book of Life. What that means is that if we believe in Jesus, we have the promise of eternity. And so today as I close, I want to invite you to stand. In just a moment, we're going to step into communion. I invite you to prepare your heart for that. But I just want to share with you that, that as you step into Christmas, Jesus really is the reason for the season. And the Word of God says this, that if you confess with your mouth out loud from your heart and you say this, Jesus is my Lord, he will be the Lord of your life. So if you've never said yes to Jesus, I invite you to whisper that in your heart right now. Jesus, I'm making you Lord of my life. And if you do, you're guaranteed to have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, the promise of eternity. And so today, here's what we're going to do. We're going to step into a moment of communion. I invite you to retrieve the communion elements that you have in your hands. Many of you know the story. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, right before he went to the cross, he gathered with his, with his disciples and they shared a final meal. And he took elements and he blessed them. And so right now, we're just going to invite Jesus into this moment and invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. We're going to pray together and ask God to bless this moment. Jesus, we come to you. We thank you for coming to this earth as a child and then living and then dying to pay for our sins. And today, God, we just say yes to you. We believe that you are the author and the finisher of our faith. And today, God, I pray that you reassure people. I pray, Jesus, that you'd be the one to administer these elements to us. Let us experience your grace and your peace today. Bless, each pe bless your people today. Bless these elements in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen.
And after he had blessed the elements, he took the bread and he said, this bread represents my body which is broken for you. He said, break and take in remembrance of me. I invite you to break and let's take now in the name of Jesus. And after they had taken the bread, Jesus took the cup. He said, this cup represents my blood, which is shed for you. It's the promise. It's the promise that if you believe in me as Savior and Lord, you'll have eternal life. But also in the blood is the promise of healing and redemption, of new life. If you need new life today, as you take today, just say, Jesus, I need a new life. And let him work in your life and he'll do it. So let's take now in remembrance of him. Jesus, thank you so much for your love for us. And now it is our privilege to worship you because you are worthy, you are holy, you deserve our praise. And right now we just lift up our hands and say, God, you're good and you're faithful. We're going to worship you today because you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords and you deserve our worship. Now I invite you, let's worship the Lord together.